Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides very easy-to-set-up lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you're interested in learning more about our business line of credit for small businesses, please visit fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. I think I've always felt passionate uh, about the idea that every business should have a line of credit just in case. And now we've just made it so much easier for a small business to get one. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies that have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today, I'm excited to be speaking with Chris Hood. Uh, Chris Hood is a digital strategist, technology entrepreneur, and innovation executive at Google with over 35 years of experience in online business development and transformation. Mr. Hood teaches in the business and information technology departments at Southern New Hampshire University and Colorado Technical University. He previously worked for Fox Broadcasting, Disney Electronic Arts, and was co-founder for Blind Squirrel Games. Chris, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I'm sure that today's podcast, uh, a podcast that we're doing is going to get a lot of downloads because I think it is, of course, an interesting topic. It's how AI or artificial intelligence is starting to shift and affect business. And, you know, I, uh, I have a 22 year old son who, uh, who has uh, uh, went to Boston university. He's had uh, six internships. Two of them were in AI uh, and uh, he's not working in AI right now. He's working for a financial, a large financial bank uh, in a different area. Uh, so he and I would have tons of discussions about AI because at first he, he we, him and I strategized that that's where he, you know, was potentially going to go. And he would constantly remind me that AI isn't what I think it is and what the public thinks it is. So tell me what AI is now. I would love to hear what he thinks it is or what we think it is. Uh, is it robots coming down from outer space and taking over the world like in Terminator? You know? Nope. Uh, <laughs> yep. So AI, and usually it correlates with another term we call ML, machine learning and artificial intelligence. And basically they go hand in hand. One is actually the machine learning that, that's why it's called machine learning. Um, and the other is the execution of that learning, the artificial intelligence. Now, at a very high level, it's around allowing the computer to make decisions or to predict decisions on behalf of the user. That's really as simple as we can make. And we see AI, not just in business, but all areas of life today. And you mentioned your son is now in financial sector. There's massive use of AI in the financial sector. Why? Because we want to start to predict things. How are the stock markets going to uh, be impacted by an event? How are uh, certain 
uh, prices going to be adjusted over time. All of that is a prediction model that is being managed by machine learning and artificial intelligence. And then across different businesses, we are seeing some of that robotic stuff. You know, I just read an article about uh, a Jamba Juice that's on a campus out here in California that has a robot that's sort of like an octopus, has eight arms, and can create up to eight different smoothies at a time. Obviously, accelerating the pace of customers coming in and out. Also, it's pretty cool for Instagram photos. But that's all being programmed by machine learning. What's in the drink? What's the type of drink that I need? Where are the ingredients that I have to pick up as the robot is doing that and performing those tasks? So AI can be seen across a wide range of different scopes. Um, uh, we see it in uh, healthcare. We see it in financial tech. We see it in retail and services. We see it in just about everything that we do today in some form or another, and happy to dive into that. But hopefully that gives you a broad overview of what AI really is. Yeah. So, so can we say that AI, because this is going to relate to my next question, and that is, can we say that AI has been out, you know, I, I don't mean like when it started originally, I'm just saying that's been a, being used applicable in the last 10 years in the last five years, you know, I, I don't want to go back to this, you know, we could just say the turning man or whatever turning, uh, you know, way back ago, but when, you know, what I'm, my question is going to be about what inflection points have we seen of major jumps in the technology of AI and what are the future inflection points are we going to see that has brought AI into the real world applications of, of human beings? Well, we've seen AI or the influence of AI all the way back into the sixties, you know, sci-fi and the foundations for a lot of science fiction movies and television shows like Star Trek is a great example. The computer on Star Trek on the actual enterprise communicating with you and thinking through scenarios the, the vision of a computer doing work for us has been around for a long time. What hasn't been available and, what sh and why it's called science fiction is, is the technology to support it. And so, sure, we've seen foundations of what AI is all the way back even to another movie, uh, 1985 War Games, which was all simulation of war events and nuclear uh, war. That's when we began to actually implement AI, but then over the course of the last, say, 10 years, with the introduction of the internet and the uh, cloud, as technology has gotten faster and systems have begun to uh, process information quicker, connectivity between multiple devices, uh, the amount of RAM and hard drive space uh, and storage capacity that you have within computers, uh, just the overall processing time, it has drastically accelerated how we can uh, set up and process and analyze complex computations. So a, another good example of this is um, Google just was able to reach the, I want to say the one billionth digit of pi. I think it's the one billionth. Wow. And 
And we were able to calculate not only the one billionth, but like the last 100,000 numbers or something, like all at once, because of processing power, comp computation problem, you know, networking computers to solve complex questions. Um, and that's really what I think has made AI so much more interesting. Also, we get a lot of these really weird stories that are out there. Like there was a story a couple of years ago about how Google set up two computers to communicate with each other. And they actually began to start creating their own language because they realized like the English language was not sufficient enough for them. And they could basically short code and they actually began communicating with their own language. They defined the language, they created the language, they learned the language and then use the language. Now, a lot of people would, you know, go back to Terminator, think like, whoa, that's crazy stuff. It's not as, you know, uh, scary as it might sound, but it, there's some interesting, you know, information you can take from that. The, the fact that you have computers that can process that much power so quickly and readily is, I think, one of the reasons why, again, over the last five years, We've seen a drastic increase in AI and the application of AI in our daily lives. Yeah, so I want you to, I, you know, I want to make sure we keep this AI discussion, artificial intelligence, practical, because our listeners are, uh, the, all our listeners are business owners who tend to be very practical and not don't want it theoretical, right? They want, how can this help me now, right? I get it because I'm one, right? Um, so, so. So tell me, um, if you, let's let's put you in the sho shoes. You're running a five million dollar company, right? That's a small company, okay? You're running a five million dollar a year revenue company, uh, and you're the owner, and you say to yourself, and I and let's let's be industry agnostic for a second. Uh, let's say is okay. How can AI help me today? Or, or, you know, within the next year or two, what, what should I be doing? What should I know? How can AI help me now in whatever part of my business? What would your answer be? So I do think that it depends on the industry, but I do have a couple of ideas around just companies in general. And this might not be applicable to every business, depending upon what your staff looks like, how many employees you have, if you have full-time employees, part-time employees. But here's a really interesting, compelling one that we actually worked on for a large organization that had a lot of part-time employees. One of the challenges they had was you would often have people calling out, I'm calling out sick today, and you had a schedule and you were trying to fill and you have to call somebody else and say, hey, can you come in and cover this uh, position for today? you can actually leverage AI to begin to predict who might call out for the day, wow. right? And so from a, a staffing perspective, you can say, look, we know that on average, X number of people call out each day, and we know that these individuals potentially uh, are available to fill positions every day. Um, and so I'll allow the machine learning to go and begin to predict out over the course of the next several weeks so that I'm not caught at a last minute, like, oh, I have to fill this role for today. And so you could automatically do that by predicting 
who could be on call, who can fill a space, who's going to potentially call out, and then automate all of that, right? Ultimately, improving your productivity and your ability to uh, have you know, effective staff. So there's one example. Another one from a technology perspective is uh, security. We all care about security. We all care about the data of our customers, uh, the process of information throughout our organization. If we're going to be hit by cyber attacks or if somebody's going to try to hack into our systems, a lot of digital security systems today are built on AI. And so you can begin to predict where there are vulnerabilities within your technologies or within your organization and allow the computer to either notify you to make a change or to have the computer make the change automatically for you. So instead of hiring a bunch of security experts, which is a cost to the organization, you could actually implement some of that AI. And then in theory, you've got a individual computer who's doing all that work for you. In, in the same vein, when we do software development, we have this concept called governance, like just managing how data is managed um, and where it's managed, uh, regulatory issues across different types of regions that we might be, be in. Uh, you can set up AI to help assist in uh, a lot of that regulatory and management of data and uh, development process flows, which from an, um, from a software development process, if you're building an app or something along those lines, will also greatly help you. So uh, at least there's a couple of things that I think are not specific to an industry, but give you an idea of real world scenarios. Yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna give this weird example of what a, a point I'm going to make. So it was a number of years ago and uh, we were using uh, uh, really off the shelf CRM system, customer relationship management system. And the way it was built, it wasn't really for our industry. It was, it was they're, they're big, but they're, it was generic. And we had leads that were, just not being followed up on correctly, right? Because of the CRM system. So I went to a conference and at that conference was the perfect software for what we were trying to do. It was geared toward one, our industry, two, solving the problem of leads not being followed up on correctly, three, getting it done in an automated fashion, you know, and the, and four amazing training techniques inside of it to be able to us just it's everything you could think of right perfect software we get that software double our revenue right off the bat okay just completely transformed our company right and so my point being is that i think as a small business you're not going to go out and say oh okay let me get a program in here to use ai to automate my business or give me something. But what you are going to do is find that company that's, you know, that, I don't know, I hate to use the word supplier, that other software, that other company that is implementing AI in a way that solves a major problem. And that's why, like, the thing that you talked about in regards to part-time employers going out and stuff like that, 
there is somebody out there who is a, a company that is providing software already. And I, so I, my, this is my point. You got to stay on top of technology and what's going on because you, you, there's, it's out there. And you, if you're not looking, it's not going to come up and just really kind of show you how it is. And it can, can transform your business, can it? Absolutely. 100%. I'll, I'll give you another example of that. There is a company called Lately AI, L-A-T-E-L-A-T-E-L-Y dot yeah. AI. So Lately AI, their uh, whole system is basically to allow you to generate social media content uh, leveraging machine learning. So you can go and look at some of your posts. It analyzes the post. It creates this algorithm around your voice and your messaging styles, and then it will facilitate creating, scheduling, and posting and automating all of your social media platforms. Again, leveraging AI to predict what types of language gets the most traction, which will generate the most leads for your organization. All of that inbound marketing is all being basically managed by a tool that has already been built for you, and all you have to do is sign up and use it, right? So in theory, why do you bring in a whole bunch of marketing social media experts when you can facilitate that exact same stuff through something's already built? Yeah, it's, you got to stay on top of this stuff. You, you know, you got to, listen, I, I get Google News and I, you know, I have a technology section and I'm always, you know, just reading the headlines and if something catches my attention, you just, as a business owner, you got to realize that technology is, is such a huge part of your, of, we all know it's a huge part of our business, but uh, you got to stay on top of it, you know, right? I, yeah. I you agree. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, I, mean I, I, I would argue that every business already foundationally is a technology business. Yes. And I can argue with every single listener right now that you are a technology business first and you're a whatever fill in the blank. Your business plan that says we are a, it's a, no, you are a technology business delivering these industry-based solutions, whatever that is, because we know that 100% of your customers are going to try to find you, connect with you, understand you, use you through technology. And so no different than you would do full background research and analysis and stay up to date on your competitors, your industry trends, you have to do that with technology as well. If you don't, then your consumers are going to expect to engage with you in some way, and you're not going to be able to provide that solution because you're not familiar with the technology and what that technology can do for your organization. Yeah. And I think there's two part, parts I want to make, uh, two, uh, two points, excuse me, that I want to make. The first one is keep in mind what AI is doing. It, it is leveraging your data. It really is. Okay. And oh God, I, I love data. I totally love it. Like I, I always try to make decisions incorporating data before I use my hunches, you know, as part of the equation. Okay. So I really like that, but that's really what artif AI, artificial intelligence is doing. It's leveraging that data. Um, and, and I, I think of it as you just think of that, if you had all this data on a sheet and it wasn't, it wasn't so big and you looked at it and you can kind of 
run your own, you know, analysis on it, that's it's just happening to happening to do that super super fast, right? Um, the 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 second thing is I go, and this is going to be controversial, um, but AI automation helps you reduce the amount of people you have and or makes them more effective or makes them less valuable to you because so and I'll give you an example of what I mean by this so 20 years ago one of the companies I had uh it was a good company uh it 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 I completely rested so much on my ability to hire super talented people. And one, they're super hard to find. Two, they're super expensive. And three, they're crazy, right? They're, they're nuts, right? And I, my company at the time was so, um, tied to these people. And so when I started another company after that, I said, there is no way I'm going to get myself in that position again. And actually went into a business that was a little bit similar. And so this is a, this isn't the best example, but so what I realized that these people are, I was hiring were top salespeople. What I realized was that if I, made it so that the company got the leads and controlled the leads. I didn't have to have as good of salespeople. And by, and we became great at marketing and getting leads in. And, and then if a salesperson wanted to leave, Hey, I didn't care. I had all the leads. I had great leads coming in. I didn't have to get better salespeople because you know, that was a different skill set. It was a little bit more customer oriented skill set. And that goes back to the idea of automation being a key ingredient because there isn't a business out there who doesn't struggle with people. And uh, every business owner would say the same thing. Oh, it's my heart, my biggest problem. So, yeah, it is. It's incredibly challenging, especially in the startup world, to find individuals it, who have the same vision and dedication to that vision as, as you do as the owner, right? I've been a part of multiple startups. I've started up several of my own organizations, completely understand and get that. And you're right. Uh, uh, there is a challenge with the correlation between AI and headcount, as simple as we can make it. Uh, in enterprises, larger organizations, we actually see an influx in other roles. So we might remove some of the uh, lower end roles who might have to manually do those processes. Now AI is facilitating those processes, but we're seeing the implementation of like data scientists and really strategic thinkers in uh, developing that AI to specific use cases. So there's almost a swap in headcount in the larger organizations, but the point is still valid. When we can automate stuff and improve processes, in theory, employees can be more productive and they can get to the information faster. You get to market faster with whatever you want to accomplish. And all I can do is continue to try to give you additional examples. So another example of this is I teach at multiple universities. And one of the things that is the most challenging is to stay on top of students 
who are not turning in assignments, right? It's a common thing. You would understand that. But imagine if I actually had artificial intelligence that would tell me or predict, <laughs> hey, this individual may not turn in the assignment, not because of my one class. I have one class. They've had 20, 30, 40 classes up until I, they get to me. And if the computer was able to analyze when they turned in all of their assignments over the entire course of their degree program, now, not only do I have to uh, get a notification or something and email them, no, just automate it all. Have the computer actually respond and say, hey, we noticed that you're a day late on the assignment and through history, you've always turned it in a day early. Is there a problem? Is there a question that you have? Is there something I can help you with? How, you know, reach out to me. Like that can, I could be sleeping and that could be happening. And you could apply that in the same manner of sales. Like we all know what an automated email looks like and all of the systems generate these automated emails. What's not necessarily there is the intelligence behind it. When should I send that email out? At what variation should I send it out? What context and language should I put in there to maximize the, um, the feedback that you're receiving to then automate the experience and to reduce the amount of workload in your staff? And I think that is a tremendous power. And yeah, you know, we could argue that it's reducing headcount somewhere. But at the same time, you're maximizing your business, you're improving processes, and, and you're maximizing really customer satisfaction. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I just, I th when you're giving that example, I thought of high schools, when kids are in high school and how, uh, you know, they have all the different classes and the kids get overloaded because every class is giving them like homework and then nobody else, no, no, none of the teachers know it. That would be a perfect example. Because the the you know uh, it's too big of a problem for someone to look at it as a human being you know as a person, uh, and yet uh, the AI could come back and like put people in red saying hey you know these people have all these assignments due on this date you know you're going to drive them crazy these kids you know that's a good app right there you know and I I just thought about it too as you were saying it I'm like you know I'm not even taking my own advice. Staying on top of technology, you know, like financing solutions has been around for 11 years and it's, it's on autopilot. It's just, it's just doing, it does very, very, very well. We don't have a huge staff. We didn't want, we never wanted a huge staff. Um, and I, you know, you, you get complacent, you know, it's, the only time you maybe don't become complacent is if you're, if you have a super huge goal or if you're, super, you're not doing well, then you kind of, don't have complacency, right? Uh, you know, we're doing really well. It's like, you know, just keep doing what we're doing, good execution. And yet I should be paying attention more to the technology side. So, so let's go to, I talked about earlier on inflection points in AI, right? So, and so what inflection points are coming down in the next five years and the next 10 years? And what I mean by that is what big jumps are going to happen, which is going to produce things that we weren't able to do before for a small business. What do you think? So processing power and computing power and storage and 
we'll talk a little bit about virtual reality and the metaverse, right? All of those types of things are going to continue to evolve. Uh, one of the biggest buzzwords right now is the metaverse. And everybody's yeah. thinking like, oh, that's going to be the next big thing. We often call it Web 3.0. If we look at Web 1, 90s, 2000s, that was just the introduction of websites. And everybody was, you know, you had the, the dot-com boom, you know, in 2000s. And then the bubble bursted and we lost a lot. And then Web 2.0 was the introduction mostly around social media and the evolution of interconnected uh, applications and uh, technology and data sharing across ecosystems. And then Web 3 prediction is all around NFCs and metaverse and cryptocurrencies and the implementation of that. Also, we can look at that and show how the metaverse is really nothing more than a, uh, another variation of video game technologies that have been around for 20 years or so already. Uh, even cryptocurrencies was invented technically inside of video games when you could actually get gold and currencies in games and then transaction for real world dollars. That's all been around. It's nothing new. Same thing with virtual reality. Virtual reality has been around for at least 30 years. But if we look forward and we say, okay, that is the trajectory we are on and that's probably what's going to happen, <clears throat> then the metaverse and what it means is organizations are going to be able to connect with people in different ways and sell things through different types of technologies. All of that is going to be a direct result, to, again, of processing power and increased storage capacity and faster graphics. And, uh, and it will have the requirement that users like us uh, embrace it and, and use it. A good example of this really is if we look back and say our, our mobile devices. There is a process by which mobile came out, people started using smartphones. Originally it was, hey, it's just another glorified way of listening to music and making phone calls. Obviously that has uh, completely transformed over the, again, the last decade. And we pretty much all have phones today. We're all connected in some way. I would suspect that the metaverse, as it's called, will have the same type of implement, implementation, implementations. <laughs> it will start off slow. People will start to adopt it. And over time, more and more people may adopt it. I don't think this is going to just be a big bang and everybody's going to you know, put on some type of virtual reality helmet and go into the metaverse. If you've seen the movie uh, or read the book Ready Player One, that's basically what we're talking about. Now, me personally, I don't know if that's actually where we're going to head. I, I think there's still a lot of questions around that experience. But I know for a fact that AI is going to continue to revolutionize how we engage with people and businesses. I know that faster processing speeds are going to continue to help us uh, connect with things in different ways. I know that businesses in general, as we talked about earlier, you're a technology business and something else. I think that's even going to, uh, those lines are going to blur anymore. People are, industries are going to become, or companies are going to become a multi-industry company. And it's not just like technology and finance or technology and retail. It's going to be like retail and healthcare, right? Or retail and fintech. 
We see things like embedded finance being readily available inside of the retail experience already today. And so companies are going to become more agnostic about who and what industries they serve. And then people are going to be able to connect to those businesses in new and exciting ways. You'll be able to log in, you know, get into your car, turn your car on and get your financial reports right on your dash, right? That type of experience is going to become more readily available. So our ability to connect with data, access data, communicate and share data, and then uh, experience journeys across multiple industries simultaneously is ultimately what we're going to see. How that gets displayed to us, maybe it's the metaverse, maybe it's something else. But, but the foundation of that connectivity is most likely what we're going to see in the next five years. Yeah, I, I think it needs to. The industry wants it. We all want it. We want it to be ubiquitous. We want it to be so easy that I don't have to know anything. I can just say, um, uh, you know, tell me what my sales was on a graph every day. I'm sorry, every year for the last 20 years. And it just pops up, right? Just, it's just got to get easier, you know, <laughs> that, that I don't have to have a programmer. I don't have to, that's a simple example, right? Just, it has to be easier for people to be able to speak like in Star Trek to a translator, to a computer, and it just does it, right? And then, you know, and then it's just data. That's, it's just data that's valuable for me to help me make better decisions. Like, give me the ability so that I can make better decisions. And that's what it all comes down. Give me the ability so I can provide better customer service. You know, like... There's a company called Dialogics, and I think Google bought them. It was there; they weren't far from where I, I live. They were they were around 20 years ago, and they they were the start of like a voice board that went into a computer, so that when you go onto, uh, uh, uh you you dial into uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield Medical, you know that it, it recognizes your voice more, and you know that's definitely going to go much farther. And I think it's got a lot to do with processing power. I think you're, you're right. I think that's, that's been the holdup, but you know, so you don't, I'm, I'm amazed at the type of people, like when I call into Wells Fargo, who's one of my bank and, and I, and the, the questions I have and, and that, which are detailed questions. And I still have to speak to a human being in regards to those questions. That is an expensive uh, way of answering questions and, you know, that's got to get automated more. So definitely talking to, you know, the computer, so to speak, and giving me answers instead of getting a human being involved. Uh, would you, would you, I'm sure you agree with that. Yeah. Think about like now we've got these Amazon stores where everything has a video camera and you can just walk in, pick up an item and leave. And it knows that it's, it knows what you're holding. It knows what it's scanned and it, it can automatically charge you. And there's another example. You might have typically 10 employees in that facility. Now you only have two, but all that video and AI and processing and charging and that entire experience is only possible because of the technology and the computing processing 
speeds. Yeah. You would never have been able to accomplish that yeah. know, five years ago. Yeah. Um, and you're just going to see more variations of that where the computer can process massive amounts of data in real time so that the, the so that the customer gets that experience that that you're hoping for and yeah it's it's just possible yeah i mean and that's a good example i was at stop and shop shopping and, I, and i'm like having to scan things out and check out i'm like can't they get this amazon shopping service already so that i don't have to do this you know i'm frustrated i'm like just you know putting it on the scale and all this other crap i'm like oh geez you know because kind of because you like sometimes the technology is there and it's just not being implemented uh and then and then it gets implemented and you just forgot it wasn't there so uh yeah it's a lot of i think it's extremely exciting i i you know my son i i talked to him about this i say is hey listen i'm not a bad predictor okay um Seven years ago, my son and I went to um, see a lecture by the guy who invented Watson from IBM. Okay. And he asked the room, where, when do we know that AI is really here and it's progressed? Or where was the, where do you see the future? And this is what I said. Now, I'm not pumping myself up by any means. I said, and this was a reaction in the room, which was interesting. I said the day that com that um, computers are inventing art, that they are creating their own artwork, and the room erupted like, no way, it's not going to happen, it's not going to do that. And I'm going to, I stand by my because that means that it's thinking on its own, outside of a box. It's you know, uh, it's it's drawing on a lot of different information. The, the second example I want to give you that my son who, you know, he's 22 years old, which means that they're typically very progressive. I say that they're going to, you're going to have something that's going to plug into your brain. It's going to, you're going to plug right in and it'll allow you to recall data super, super, super fast and uh, augment your brain. Uh, and uh, my son freaked out over that. He doesn't like that one. And I say, he said, would you do it? Would I, you know, he asked me, would you get that? I said, yes. And he's like, I would never get that. So what do you think? Well, the first one that you said computers drawing has already come true. Yeah. That is already available. And I actually pulled up on my app, a uh, application that's called mid journey. Now mid journey is an AI tool that does nothing but draw. And, uh, you know, you can kind of see it here. Yep. It's going through. There's a bunch of different people who are currently using the application. And all these images that you see popping up right now are being designed by an AI. And so you can literally tell it anything. You can say, you know, draw the Eiffel Tower during a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and it would do it it will actually create that, that image for you. And all it's doing is it's pulling data and it's pulling styles. Um, a, a great example is like if I said, draw the Eiffel Tower in the style of Van Gogh, it will actually do it in the style of Van Gogh because it's analyzing 
all the artwork it can find in the world. It's analyzing your inputs of what you want. It's finding different similarities in the artwork. And then it's composing that graphic or that image based on its learnings and understanding of, of that art. And so we have today AI creating art for us. And it's fascinating. And I've, I've been using this for a little while and it's mind blowing at times. Other times you can actually see it. You're like, okay, I can see that AI is doing this. Yeah. But the foundation of what you said is a reality. And I, I would say that this started about a year ago. So it's, it's not uh, brand new technology, but it's something to go look at. It's, it's mind boggling. As far as implants and uh, the such, yeah, I, you know, we've played with that same thing. Science fiction kind of drives our thoughts around those, you know, there's some great movies that cover that. Um, I would say that that is an eventuality. We already see cybernetics in things like our limbs and arms and, and uh, hearts, you know, organs that have been implanted. Um, pacemakers today have a lot of actual uh, learning and artificial intelligence in them to control and analyze heartbeats. And um, so some of that is actually already here and we're already using. But the sci-fi version where I could have like a socket in the back of my head with a additional RAM and I could plug a USB in or something like that so that I can store my memories or take photos with my uh, contact lenses and save it on a storage device in my mind. Uh, like, is it out of the realm of possibility? No, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities, but I think we're a little farther away from that type of implementation. Uh, you know, from the sci-fi movies um, than what we are already doing today. Yeah, I want to get so my. I want to get away from screens. I want to get get away from keyboards. I I want things there. I, you know, I have to wear glasses, and that when I once I turned forty, I'm fifty seven. Sucks. I hate glasses. Um, I I want to get past. So when it, you know, for me, it's really affected because I read so much that you know now I got to fiddle around and get my glasses on. I want to eliminate all this stuff so that I have better access to this data and, and uh, make my life easier. I'm not just talking about business. I'm talking about making my life easier. You know, um, so I can do the things I want to do instead of fooling around trying to find the information. You know, so. Um, you know, that's the next, I mean, displays have been here forever, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, rather we go with a headset or something like that. It, it's been interesting. My, my 22 year old, I have a 22 year old and a 13 year old, my 22 year old several years ago got, you know, the virtual reality, uh, uh, headset and it, there really wasn't much to it. He said, he goes, he's like, ah, you know, and then my son got it. Uh, my 13 year old and he's on it all the time, you know, I mean, my, my 22 year old says, Oh boy, it's made great leaps, you know, a lot of progress. And, you know, maybe that'll be the next thing, you know, the, the, uh, you know, I'm thinking, I think that's where we're going to go. I think we're going to eliminate the screens. 
we'll go to the virtual thing and uh, you know, you go in your meetings. I know, I know meta is going that direction where you're going to have an avatar and you're in a meeting and you're wearing your headset and you're an avatar and you're in that meeting. So it'll be interesting to see. It's, it's fun. I think it's a lot of fun. And again, having spoken to you, I realize now that I'm a little bit, be, I'm way behind the time and staying on top of this stuff. And maybe I got to start investing a little bit more to take my business to another level. So uh, any last comments, Chris, before we kind of wrap it up? Well, I think the other side of virtual reality is how do we start to engage with other sensories? You know, how do we get the, you know, we got the visual down, like you said, we've got screens and even VR, you can start to see things and experience things, but that VR experience is still relatively one dimensional. You can introduce sounds and now let's say I'm at the beach and I'm seeing the beach and hearing the sounds of the waves, but now add smell, you know, what's the smell of the salt water that's in front of me, you know, the smells of the beach and the coconuts in the sky or whatever. And then can we get to taste? Like, how do I start to implement some of these dimensions to what is reality to me so that as I'm experiencing them, they become more impactful and, and we all learn differently. You mentioned reading the sensories that we share, help us in that learning experience and our memories. So I realize that's a way long, far distance ahead of us, but Heck, there's a guy in Japan that just invented Taste TV, which actually is you can go up to the screen and lick what's on the screen and taste what's being made in front of you. So, you know, these concepts are all being thought about, but we have to get into that multidimensional sensory experience for this to really begin to, I think, connect us to that next level. And those are some of the things I'm excited about. Yeah. And you know, I'm a, I'm a marketing guy. That's my background. That's my skill set. And, uh, the thing about marketing that I, you, you try to get different senses and emotions involved to solicit those things out of whatever it is that you're doing to uh, attract clients. So it's a weird way of saying, you know, you know, how can I use technology to appeal to different senses? So it, it, it's, it, it's a cool world. I mean, I think it's a lot of fun and I'm not afraid of it whatsoever. Uh, I, I think those people who embrace it can really succeed. Um, so I'd like to really thank so very much Chris Hood for coming on to today's podcast. It was super interesting for me. I hope it was for our listeners as well. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please, uh, please give us a five-star review. It really helps us get the word out. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. And if Chris, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Best way to get in touch with me is visit my website, chrishood.com. All of my social media profiles and a way to contact me are right there on the page. Great. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you. Now, I, I think my takeaway from today, and, I, and I, I, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my business partner. I might even have him listen to this podcast, but I'm going to go back to him. He's got, he's a smart guy. And I'm going to say, 
what type of technologies, what could we, what could we use? What, what do we need automating? And, and, and that would, that would help our business. And we'll go look at it. We'll go look at it. We'll see, because we haven't done it in a long time, you know? So, you know, we're kind of on autopilot. Like, like I said, we're doing well. So, you know, let's see what, I mean, I do that on tech. I do that with marketing all the time, but not with the internal um, operation. So really good for thought. And again, Chris, it was very, very interesting here, what you have to say. So last thing I end a lot of my podcast by saying to your entrepreneurs, make sure you're taking care of yourself. This is a long game marathon. If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of your customers or your employees or your business. So take good care of yourself. Have a good day, everybody.